Welcome to episode 17 of the Women's Wisdom, Our Journey in Emergency Medicine, a production of the Women in Emergency Medicine section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. In this episode, Dr. Molly Estes interviews Dr. Matthew Zuckerman on some of the best decisions that he has made through his EM journey so far. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women's Wisdom Podcast. My name is Molly Estes. I'm clinical faculty at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And despite the title of our podcast, Women's Wisdom, and contrary to popular belief, we do not only have women as our interviewees. This podcast was always designed and kind of imagined as a story of people's journeys. And regardless if you identify as man, woman, or other, we want to hear your story. So it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Matt Zuckerman. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It is my extreme pleasure to be here. I am uh, honored and flattered uh, to be invited. Um, And I am uh, frequently inspired by the wisdom of uh, my uh, women colleagues. Well, thank you so much. So Matt, you are based primarily out of University of Colorado, yes? Yes, University of Colorado, uh, Anschutz Medical Campus, University Hospital, affiliated with uh, Denver Health Residency and Emergency Medicine uh, and the uh, Medical Toxicology Fellowship at the Rocky Mountain Poison and Drug Safety Center. As I said at the very beginning, this podcast is all about people's journeys, um, how you got to where you were going, what were some of the interesting points along the way, and you give gave me free reign to ask you whatever I wanted to ask you. So I'm going to ask you to look back, reflect back on your journey thus far. What was one decision or maybe a couple of decisions that you made along the way that actually were really fantastic choices now in hindsight? Okay. Should we talk about divorce? No, just kidding. Oh, um, oh no, because that's not a factor in, in the physician community. No, um, uh, great, <laughs> great choices. I, I think, uh, so one of the best things I ever did was after finishing fellowship, I took a year to work in New Zealand. And that was a scary decision because you finish fellowship and you're surrounded by all these smart academic people. And I knew that the American way of traveling, I'd done a little bit of traveling and residency and stuff, not as much when I was younger, um, uh, didn't have the money. But uh, in residency, I would go someplace and I would see all of these international citizens who would travel for months at a time and just enjoy themselves. And the American way of traveling is frequently, I'm going to go someplace for six days. I'm going to see three things a day. I'm going to go to four cities in one country. And, and it's kind of like a merit badge approach. And then you rush back and you're exhausted. And I said, I really want to live someplace for a while. And so I decided to work in New Zealand for a year. Sure that all of my academic, super um, uh, successful, smart um, colleagues would say you're crazy. And all of them said, that's a fantastic idea. I wish I would have done that. You should absolutely do that. Go work for a year and then come back. Uh, and I was surprised by their responses. Uh, and, and it was a great year for me. I practiced emergency medicine in New Zealand. It's, uh, it's Western healthcare, but it's different in many ways. And I think if you want to understand why we say things a certain way in English, you should study a foreign language. If you want to understand how we practice medicine in the United States, you should practice elsewhere. And so it really informs the way that I provide care. And I remember, I remember the first uh, shift I worked there, uh, there was a guy who got smashed in the head and was totally altered. And I walked over to somebody and I said, you know, in the United States, 
I would scan this, but I know that we're in a different healthcare system and everything. And, and the person said, you know, so scan him. Uh, and so I did the CAT scan and, and it, was, it was a good experience. At the same time, their medical legal environment is different. Their practice environment is different. Everyone is happy as long as they have a cup of tea. It's the most wonderful uh, country in the world. Everyone should check it out. Um, and so um, I really loved working there, um, but I didn't, there wasn't a lot of defensive medicine. And at times the radiology would say, why do you want this? And you actually had to say why you wanted it. Uh, so um, I, I really enjoyed working there and coming back. I think it really made me a better doctor and informed how I provide care and also had a great time and um, went there. I was going to go there alone, but my girlfriend at the time said, why don't I come? And I said, um, 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 what if we break up? And, uh, and, now we're, and now we're married. And so it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Oh, I love how you just throw that detail right in there um, at the very end of the story. All right, well then let's flip the table. Um, looking back on your life, uh, when does a time that you actually made a decision that you really regret? I, I don't think I've actually asked very many of our interviewees this question and I'm intrigued to see what your answer might be. Oftentimes we learn more from each other through the mistakes that we eat, that each other have made as opposed to necessarily the things that have gone right. So what'd you do wrong? That, that is such a fantastic question. Um, and it's gonna be horrible. I'm, if you I, tell me you've done nothing wrong, I will not believe no, you. No, well, I've done lots of horrible things wrong, but it's just like when one of your patients says, oh, I shouldn't have, you know, had too much to drink or I shouldn't have done that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, John Irving and Stephen King and a lot of authors who write about um, flawed humanity. And, and I really do believe that everything I've done has brought me to here. And so... Uh, I have definitely had uh, nights where I had too much to drink or uh, poor decisions made, uh, or uh, I've definitely said lots of things that I regretted um, because there's been, you know, weeks and weeks of uh, emails and apologies, but I, I can't really say actually, and, and actually just to be candid, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had relationships that have ended, um, but I've, I don't regret it, like it, it, which is, I know it's a cliched thing to say and you're never supposed to say that, but it really is true that I wouldn't be where I am and I'm very, very happy where I am if I hadn't have gone through all of those steps. And so um, I, 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 I should think more, but the really, uh, there's definitely been sadness in my life, right? I've had family members die. Um, I've, I've, I, I've cried multiple times in residency. Uh, those were not good days. I got shingles. Um, residency was great. I just had bad days within residency. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I think I'll let you off the hook just a little good. bit, because as I sit here, I realize I'm being a little hypocritical and asking this question. I don't even know why I wrote this question down in the first place, because when I'm doing residency interviews, um, during, um, match season, I specifically ask a question. If there are any medical students out there who are going to interview with me for residency, this is your uh, get out of jail free card. I specifically ask a question. When was a time in your life where you quote unquote failed? And then I give this about five minute disclaimer about how I don't believe in the word failure, that we are constantly living and growing and learning from our mistakes. So let me rephrase the question, how I rephrase it for my interviewees which is tell me about a time in your life where you did not do as well as you had planned or anticipated doing and what did you learn from it? 
Okay. Yeah, I guess that's a good question. I, I think failure is biggest when it seems to challenge how you define yourself and when it seems to define how challenge how other people define you. And uh, I think one of the first big times I really failed was actually in medical school. I rotated on surgery and I uh, thought I was doing fine. And we took an oral exam and you've, you've known me for a bit. Uh, we're talking for a bit. I am not someone who's generally at a loss for words. And I went into this oral exam and I was supposed to get three cases. And the first case was supposed to be a case I had seen. And they sort of broke the rules and, and, and did a different case. And I just could not figure out the answer. I couldn't figure out what they wanted me to say. And I got a sense that I was totally off track. And then the entire rest of the hour of the oral exam, I was just lost and couldn't answer it. And I remember having a meeting with the clerkship director afterwards about that. And he said, if I was going to pick anyone who would have failed the oral exam, it wouldn't have been you. And, and it's true. And it's interesting. And after that, I remember meeting with one of our anesthesiologists and we had a specific discussion about how approach an oral exam in terms of like starting broadly and then moving on to the trunk and then moving on to leaves and not jumping too far. And we see this all the time with our learners, right? Uh, the smart ones can fail. And if they fail, it's often just because they're a little too smart and they jump a little too far and they don't start out broader. And, and since then, you know, with, with emergency medicine boards and things, I've, I've taken oral exams. And I think that that failure really informed how I approach those. But I also think it was a good learning experience because it's important never to take anything for granted, never to think, well, I'm a fast runner, so we're going to do some running and I'll be fine. Well, I'm, I'm a good talker. And I think um, that that informs sort of a growth mindset. And that happens with our learners, right? It's like, look, I know that you're one of the stronger residents, but we really need to on other areas or areas of weakness, because otherwise, why are you here? This is just a waste of your time. So we really um, and that's why I kind of alluded, I kind of alluded to earlier how it can be exhausting to work with me, because the point is to keep going until we get to the area of uncertainty. Um, and for someone who's used to staying within a certain ground, um, then that's that's uncomfortable. And so, yeah, I think failing failing that exam when I when I don't usually fail exams was a big thing. Um, there have been, I'm sure, other other failures, but um, I also tend to have a bit of imposter syndrome. So I think I tend to blame most failure on myself. Uh, oh yeah, no, you're definitely the only person out there who has imposter syndrome, right? Just to feed yeah. into it a little bit. Well, yeah, every time you get invited <laughs> to do something, you're like, was this an error? I must've been the screw up. And then you kind of show up and- I think you literally wrote that email to me when I reached out for this podcast. I think I did actually, you, yeah, you, you invited me. I thought you just CC'd me because you were inviting someone else. <laughs> um. Yeah, but isn't that good, right? I mean, I think, I don't think any, I mean, definitely overcoming um, uh, sense of inequality. Actually, th this is an interesting point, I think. It's it's important to know your, your self-worth and it's important to know your value and it's important to advocate for what you need. I will admit that I am terrible at that and I will never get better at that. But if I can reframe it as fighting for something else, then it's a lot easier. And it's that classic thing of going into a job interview and saying, this is, this is what I need for money and time feels horribly uncomfortable. Talking to a friend, you can absolutely tell them what they need to ask for. Or like if you're a clerkship director 
and you're asking for buy down or time or something, um, if you've done that without the support or the resources and you've seen something you care about fail, then it's like, I'm not advocating for me, I'm advocating for the mission or I'm advocating for the program. Um, similarly, I, I think uh, in other, I listen to your show all the time and there's uh, frequent discussions of like, when did you feel like you weren't being taken seriously or, or, or respected or something? And I don't have a lot of those experiences, mainly because especially working in emergency medicine, I feel like every phone call is a little bit of a, of a, of a challenge of like, who are you and why are you calling me? But if you insult my team, like if you're insulting the nurses that I'm working with, my residents, then I do have a short fuse and I will very quickly flip. And so it's much easier for me to advocate for um, something outside of myself. Um, and so my, my mission in terms of success is, is largely just to try to work hard and, and hope, hope to meet nice people who recognize what I'm doing, which is not the best way to approach a career. But it is, it is a way to approach the, a career. I mean, I think a lot of our journeys as human beings, you know, all of emergency medicine aside, all of the physician thing aside, is learning how to do certain things with uh, a little bit of grace. So how do you fail with grace and grow from it? How do you learn to advocate with grace and grow from the times when you don't exactly do that? And oftentimes that growth process is extremely subtle and slow over time. And oftentimes it kind of smacks you in the face, right? There are many times when similar to you, I'm working with a resident and they're getting obviously frustrated with me because I'm pushing them a little bit and I have to look at them and say, Hey, it is literally my job to know more than you at this point. If I don't know that, if I can't do that, then you should have my job. And those are the moments when you have to sit back as the learner or as a teacher and kind of reassess really quickly exactly where you're going. Um, and it's fun to learn, right? That's the secret. That's the secret thing. That's the fun part about at least being an attending is the, the resident always assumes, you know, what they're saying, like how many, I don't know how many times residents been like, let's give this drug or let's, let's scan them for this. And, and in my head, I'm going, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. But they assume that I was already thinking of, and actually being someone who's incredibly sarcastic, I'm very lucky because if I really say something stupid because I didn't hear that the patient was anticoagulated before saying, let's not scan them or something else, everyone will assume I'm just being sarcastic. We'll, we'll end things with this question. So if you had to look back at yourself, we'll say immediately facing graduation, graduation from fellowship. If there was one piece of advice you could have given yourself, what would it be? You often say yes to projects that you shouldn't do, or um, there's a merit badge title that you know will feel good, but you, you don't want. And so I think asking yourself, does this make my day look better? And then the other thing I think is also, if you look at people in medicine who who quote unquote fail, right? Or, or um, uh, are I, I actually let's take it back. No one really fails. People leave. People leave medicine. And I think if you look at people who leave medicine, it's because they're unhappy with it. And I think um, part of it is making sure that you make your day look like what you want it to look like. Um, and part of it also is realizing that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Well, I can't thank you enough for allowing me a few minutes of your precious, very busy time um, in order to have this conversation. Thank you again so much for joining us. No, thank you. Um, I am sure that I bored everyone listening, um, but I hope it was helpful. I highly doubt that. And to all of our listeners out there, thanks so much for staying tuned and we'll see you on the next episode. I know I'll be listening. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. 
AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications. Join us again next episode for a new journey through emergency medicine.